church. Why don't you take your seats? Big happy Mother's Day to all of our mums out there and to all of our incredible women this morning. Um, I loved what that little girl said on that clip. I just don't feel like talking right now. I thought, how awkward would that be if I just got up here and went, actually, no, not this morning. (laughs) But hey, before we get started, we're going to pray. God, we just come before you this morning. We bring you all honour and all glory. Father, we don't just come here just to do church, but we are the church. And we want to lean in this morning to what you want to speak to our hearts, Lord God. May our hearts be open to you. God, we've never arrived in our Christian walk. We are always growing and we are always learning more about you. Father, we thank you for your incredible love and your incredible grace this morning. Amen. Well, I don't know about you guys, but um, I've been called many names growing up. You know, some of you know me as Jen, Jenny. If I'm in trouble, it's a bit of a Jennifer. Um, my, I get used to get called Cookie sometimes growing up because my maiden name was Cook. Um, I've been called Shorty when I was in primary school because I was a bit of a late bloomer. Um, when Forrest Gump hit... Um, When it was big on the screens, I used to get called Jano. Because of my glasses, I've been called Four Eyes growing up. Um, I had a friend decide that it was a good idea to call me Ron because when I was in grade seven, which at that stage was still primary school, my feet decided to grow quicker than any other part of my body. And so Ron was short for Ronald McDonald. And in high school, I had um, some boys. Why is it always the boys? No, it's not always the boys. Sometimes the girls are nasty too. Instead of calling me, calling me Jennifer, they decided to call me Jen Heifer, which fortunately I didn't actually take that one too much to heart. You kind of got to let some of those things brush off you a little bit because otherwise you'd be shaking in the corner, you know. Um, But I've experienced many different names growing up and many of you have probably experienced names growing up as well. Some of them might have been innocent, some of them might have been a bit funny, Um, but sometimes the names that we are called are nasty and they can have lifelong impacts, right? I work with um, young people and sometimes I hear about the harsh words that are spoken to them and sometimes some of the names they get called from family and friends and it's actually quite devastating. Um, How many times though in our life have we allowed the names that we have been called to impact our identity? Names like, you're useless, you're worthless, Man, you're stupid. Gosh, you are dumb. You are so lazy. You know, those words are harsh, but they are actually tame compared to what I hear from many people of what they've actually experienced throughout their life. And perhaps this morning you can actually recollect some of these names you've been called and the impact that it's had on you. And we can allow these names to have the power to dictate who we are and how we receive love. The thing, though, I love about God is that his truth is powerful. And who he says we are overshadows anything 
that anyone else has ever told us. Do you know that in Scripture, it actually says that we are called beloved? Ephesians 1, 5 to 6 in the Passion Translation says, For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. And I want you to get this part. For the same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Do you ever just read scripture and it actually just astounds you? That the same love that he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for you and he has for me. We've been adopted as children of God. You know, most of the time the word beloved in scriptures is translated from the Greek word agapetos, which comes from the word agape. And many of you would have heard the word agape type of love before. And agape love is the fatherly, unconditional love of God for us. And beloved in this verse means dearly loved, esteemed or worthy of love. The word, the funny thing about this word beloved is that it literally says, be loved. Yet I think at times we can actually find it hard to be loved. And I've heard many people when I've been talking with them before say that, you know, his love seems good and it seems like he loves these people, but I'm not sure whether he could actually love me that way. Jesus says in John 15, 9, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. That's truth this morning. Jesus loves each of us the same way God loves him. Do we allow his love to nourish us? Do we allow it to sink in deep and develop us and grow us? Because that's what nourishment does. His love provides our hearts with the nourishment we need to thrive in life. And I know throughout my own life, I really needed this continual reminder that I am loved, that I am beloved. Because I found myself sometimes not feeling that way. When people have let me down or situations have gotten really difficult, I've needed to know that I am beloved by God, that I am worthy of love, that I am dearly or deeply loved by God. You know, we can have a limited perspective of God's love because of our own experience or experiences of love. When we hear about God's love, it becomes a head knowledge. However, we haven't yet had the revelation of his love for us. And I think there's a big difference between head knowledge, which is knowing of the love of God, and then calling yourself beloved, 
by God, which is actually heart knowledge. And you know, I really, as I was praying about this message, I really believe that there is people here this morning that God wants to take you on this journey of His love going from head to heart. That the Spirit of God wants to speak truth to some of the lies that you've been speaking over your life. You know, the lies we have believed before can prevent us from knowing His truth. There's a whole lot of lies we believe in our life instead of the beloved truths of God. And this morning, I just wanted to speak into two unlovely lies that we can believe at times. The first is a lie of perfection, and the second is a lie of rejection. So the first unlovely lie is, I need to be more or do more for God to love me. A lie of perfection. This lie of perfection tells us you're not enough. You don't measure up. Experiences in life can tell us that we're either not enough or that we're too much. You know what? You're not cool enough. You're not really smart enough. Not fashionable enough. You're really not good enough as a mum, a dad. You're not a great employee. Not a great friend. Man, your personality is a little bit too big. You're just a little bit too much for some people, aren't you? You know, if we accept these lies, if we accept these lies of perfection that we aren't enough, we start to believe that God sees us that way too. And we will constantly be striving to be more and we will find it hard to accept His love. If we think that we aren't enough, we start to work harder to be better, we begin to believe that maybe if I didn't sin in that way, or maybe if I wasn't such a harsh mum, maybe if I just performed a little bit better over here, that God would love me more, that perhaps God could love me a little bit more if I was better, or I could just measure up to this standard of perfection. And we can have a perfection and performance-based mentality which prevents us from receiving and knowing His grace, love and mercy. You know what? Perhaps someone in your life growing up was difficult to please. Like nothing you did was ever good enough. It just wasn't up to scratch. Perhaps um, sometimes people put conditions on love for you making you feel like you need to actually work hard for love. But God's love isn't like that. The beloved truth that abolishes this lie is that God's love is unconditional. No strings attached. It's freely given and it can't be earned. 1 John 4, 9-10 says, Because of this, The love of God is a reality among us. God sent his only son into the world so that we could find true life through him. This is the embodiment of true love. Not that we have loved God first, but that he loved us and sent his unique son on a special mission to become an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's not about how much we have done for him. 
or because we worship him that he shows us love. He loved us first. And he's still continually expressing his love to each and every one of us today. The second unlovely lie that we can believe sometimes is that I'm unlovable, which is a lie of rejection. The lie of rejection tells us that we aren't worthy of love. Perhaps this is because of the life that you've lived or the mistakes that you've made. You think, surely God couldn't love me that way, the way he loves others. My sin is too great. My mistakes are too much. Perhaps someone has told you this. I don't love you anymore. And you felt rejected by others. Someone who was meant to care for you didn't and has left you wondering if you'll ever be able to trust or love again. You find it hard to accept the love, accept love from others, let alone accept God's love for you. Well, can I say that there's a beloved truth to conquer that unlovely lie? And it's nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, and I'm convinced that nothing, everyone say nothing, Nothing. can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What a powerful scripture. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even our sin can separate us. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, not when we were perfect, not when we get our act together, while we were still sinners. He died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't say, right, time to get your act together, then I'll perhaps I'll think about dying for you. It's grace. I feel like as a church, when I say it's grace, we should just be like, my gosh, thank you, God. Anyone else agree? It's grace. We don't get what we deserve. It's undeserved favour. We didn't earn it. He died for us while we were still sinning. You know what? You might have been hurt or betrayed and right now you might not feel his love. This doesn't mean that his love has gone anywhere. He is love and he promises to never leave us. You know, we might go through life sometimes experiencing rejection and and we might feel rejected by others. But we are fully accepted and loved by God. And yes, there are lies of perfection and rejection that we sometimes experience, but the beloved truth is what God wants you to know. His love, which is unconditional, unlimited, perfect, persistent, extravagant, unending, and trustworthy. 
it's for you and it's for me. The truth is that his love is constantly flowing towards us. We just need to be willing to accept that love. So how is it that we actually embrace this beloved life? I'm sure I heard a few of you ask that. Can I actually preface this next point by saying that the very first step to knowing your beloved is accepting Jesus into your heart. It is the best decision that you will ever make. And if you have more questions this morning about faith, can I encourage you to talk with someone? We have a whole team here that would love nothing more than just to be able to answer some of your faith questions or even just have a coffee with you and, and um, you know, talk about you accepting Jesus in your own time. But the first thing that we need to do to embrace this beloved life is firstly call out the unlovely lies in your life. You know, there's probably so many more lies that you've experienced which are preventing you from experiencing the love of God. Call them out. If you're struggling to call them out, can I encourage you to chat with somebody? Chat with a pastor or or someone you know that can hear from God who can actually help you to identify some of these lies and they can encourage you in his truth. Call out the unlovely lies in your life that are causing you to stop believing the beloved truths. The second one is to declare his beloved truths. When we accept Jesus into our life, he gives us the Holy Spirit, which indwells us as believers. This means that we have the Spirit of God living in us. The Spirit of God knows the truths of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.12 that we haven't received the Spirit of the world, but rather the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. The Spirit of God helps us to know these beloved truths. And there are so many truths within His Word which we need a constant reminder of. Truths like, I am fully loved. I am accepted. I am a child of God. I am set free and forgiven. I am a new creation. I am the righteousness of God. I can trust God. I am the beloved. You know, we need to stop closing our hearts to the possibility that God's love is for me. It's a personal type of love and He wants you to experience it. You know, I believe that some of you, when you're reading Scriptures, actually need to start putting your name in the verse when reading Scripture. Scriptures like Romans 8.38 I am convinced that nothing can separate us. Instead of putting nothing can separate us, I would be saying, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate Jenny from God's love. Make it personal. Declare His beloved truth in your life. The third is to live freely as the beloved. There's freedom in Jesus, right? There is freedom in knowing that we are loved, that we have Um, we have His grace, that His grace is sufficient for us. When you know you're loved by God, you can live freely. The truths of God have been given freely so we can live freely. You don't need to be bound by performance or perfection. 
You don't need to keep playing out the lie of rejection over your life. You can live freely knowing you're fully loved and fully accepted in God. And gosh, it takes a weight off. The, the fourth thing to ex, you know, embracing this beloved life is to impart the beloved truth to others. When we know we are loved, when it's truth to us, it overflows out of our life. And the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom to impart truth to others. So many people these days seem content to be an influencer in the area of the latest trends where they influence people on upcoming fashions. I'm not sure about you, but I want to impart so much more while I live on this earth. I want to impart truth to others so that they too know that they are beloved. And I believe as the beloved of Christ, we are all called to impart truth to others. It's not just the job of the preachers or the pastors or the leaders. Do you know how much you can encourage someone's faith walk by encouraging them in the truths of God? Telling them that they are the beloved of God. You could be